What space are you sitting in right now? As you've walked in or logged online, what space have you found yourself being present in, uh, whether it's hopeful expectation, whether it's suffering and grief, whether it's kind of just feeling lethargic, what space have you entered in? And here's the beautiful thing, is that there's probably a name for it that is answered in Scripture about the God we serve. And that you have permission to sit in that space. But permission comes at a cost Because Jesus, as we invite him into our life, is going to call us to step through that space and out of that space into whatever he has in store for us. I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. We're going to read through 18 and 23 and just talk about this name of God right from the first gospel in the New Testament, book number 40 in the Bible. And Matthew has just finished up starting his gospel, one of the four testimonial accounts of Jesus, by listing off the genealogy of Christ. And he's just kind of showing us the the Jewish tradition and history, the historical account of how Jesus came to be and who Jesus came to be. But then he pauses here and he does something so radical and revolutionary and he gives Jesus or he, he kind of just uh, shows how Jesus is fulfilled in the prophecy by giving Jesus uh, and reiterating this name of Christ. And so this is what Matthew writes as he's recording the history of Christ. Matthew chapter 1 verse 18 through 23. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, Mary found she was pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law. And for those who are unfamiliar with the the, uh, uh, Israelite laws in the Old Testament, uh, had you had sex before marriage, or had you got pregnant before you were officially wed to be, honestly, what was punishment was even death for the female, being stoned to death. And so Joseph, in an attempt to respectfully and allow and honor her and allow her to continue on, was going to divorce her in private. Verse 20. But after Joseph had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. And that name Jesus is translated as Lord is our Savior or Lord of Salvation. Such a cool name. Because he will save his people from their sins. Verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet Isaiah. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Emmanuel, which means God with us with us. Will you pray with me? And I just want you to close your eyes. And if you feel comfortable, palms up toward the sky, just open. And I just want you to just think about this space for a second. Whether you're watching online as well, just think about this space. Think about, think about this Jesus as we're sitting kind of in whatever space we are sitting in, whether it's suffering or hopeful expectation or excitement. 
And I just want you to picture you sitting maybe on a beach, maybe in front of a fireplace. Okay, kind of just sitting in that space and, and Christ, our Savior, just sitting next to you as we pray. And just, Lord, I just thank you for this space. For some of us, this space is filled with grief, with thoughts of suicide, with financial insecurities, questioning what's next for us in our life. And for others, God, this is a time of joy and celebration and excitement. And God, whatever space we find ourselves in, Lord, today, we just invite you into this space as Emmanuel. God with us, sitting with us in our suffering, sitting with us in our rejoicing, that we may enter in, God, with expectant hearts during this Advent season that you are king. We give you full reign over our life. In your name we pray, amen. Emmanuel, God, with us. And you see this theme of withness is kind of woven all throughout scripture, just like these names of God. Uh, the, the name Emmanuel only shows up a couple of times throughout scripture. A couple times in the Old Testament, and then either just this time or perhaps one other time in the New Testament. Just used a few times explicitly, but the theme of Emmanuel, this withness, how God is with us, is not only woven all throughout Scripture, but completely radical to what we are used to with religions. Okay, the concept of a God or a being actually being with his people on the same playing field is so revolutionary to the human concept. And this is one of the sole things that separates Christianity from other religions. That, as John says in chapter 3, verse, um, uh, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world, his creation, that he sent his one and only son to be with creation, to live and to breathe and to walk and eventually to die and then resurrect with creation. It's so revolutionary and radical to the Christian walk and to the religious realm. And I want you to just picture that, that we have a God who cares so deeply about your struggles and your salvation that okay enough wasn't good enough. That he wanted to be with us. And as you read the Old Testament scriptures, God... In the different prophets of Isaiah and Jeremiah, but then also throughout the, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, as you see the history of the Israelites, God is constantly moving and walking with the nation of Israel. And then that theme goes all the way throughout the scriptures of God with, God with, God with. And so Jesus, as he comes through Mary, Matthew wants to make it very clear that this Jesus being is God in the flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. There's so much power in that theme and also so much hope because it should remind us in this Christmas season that Christmas has a name. What's his name? What's its name? God with us. God with you. 
surrounding you with his presence and your suffering and your pain and your illness and your grief and your loss and your thriving and your joy and your worship and your excitement, God with us. If you turn with me to John chapter one, we kind of see John in his gospel share a creation story. He kind of mimics what we see in Genesis chapter one and just walks through the creation story, expanding on the theology and this witness. And this is what the gospel writer John says, chapter one, verses one through 14, very popular passage. He writes this, in the beginning was the word. And those first three words mimic the first three words in the entire scripture. Okay, Genesis chapter one, verse one, in the beginning. Moses is writing in Genesis the creation story. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. First verse in the entire Bible. And then John in his gospel is showing the connection and the flow and the witness all throughout scripture. In John chapter one, verse one, in his gospel, he says this. He says, in the beginning was the word. And what was the word? The word was with God. And the word was God. First one, so powerful. It just connects side by side with the first verse in all the scripture because John wants to show us that the same God who created the world is with God now and was with us walking and through the Holy Spirit is with us in this moment. There's this withness and withness. Verse two, he was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Again, he's walking through this creation story of witness, talking about Jesus. In Jesus was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Verse 5, so powerful. That light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. This is Jesus' cousin. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. Verse 8, he himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. John the Baptist, for those who are unfamiliar, we're not going to go too much into it. Uh, Jesus' cousin, okay, born right before Jesus and went to prepare the way for Jesus. Went to go into all the world Go into all the land and just say, hey, this Jesus guy, yeah, I'm unfit to tie his sandals because he's the Messiah. Verse 8 then shows us that he himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. But then verse 9, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world to be with the world, to be with creation because Emmanuel, God, with us. Verse 10, he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize Jesus. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who belonged in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent or of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. And then verse 14, Capital W for the word, because this name word, it's not just talking about scripture, it's talking about Jesus who embodies the word, who embodies scripture, who embodies 
the things we read about and dwells among us. Verse 14, the word became flesh. Jesus left eternity, left the kingdom of God to usher in the kingdom of God with creation on earth. So Jesus leaves his throne to dwell among us, to dwell with us, to walk, to live, to serve, to die for us. So much powerful theology here. And then the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. I want to keep verse 14 on there for just a second. And I want you to just, again, just like we talked about as we were praying, think about this theology for just a second, about this God who sits with us and dwells here and lives among us and walked and breathed so that we may live. It's so revolutionary to us. And frankly, we don't deserve it because we sin and we walk with selfish pride. And yet Jesus still came to be with us, Emmanuel. In our temptation, in our pride, in our lust, in our addiction, God with us. It's so important as Christ followers that we understand that, especially when we think about Advent and the Christmas story. Is that Jesus cared so much about you that he was willing to enter into your mess so that we may have life. So that we may walk and breathe and serve with God. So what's the point? Because we walk through the Matthew passage and we see that Jesus was born of a virgin and came to be with us. And then we walk through John and we kind of see the creation story come to be from John's perspective. Where in the beginning was the word and was Jesus and the word was with God and the word was God. So what? Here's what I want you to take away from today. This idea. God wants access to our entire life. God wants to be with us in everything we do. You see, here's the reality. God is with us. When Jesus rose from the dead, walked on the earth for 40 days, he then ascended back to the kingdom of God. But as Jesus and Christ ascended, he then breathed on the world his Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2 of Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit, as we did an entire series, is Holy Spirit is God and was now and is now the person of God on earth. Holy Spirit is Jesus, is God on earth and dwells within us when we are in Christ. And so this withness that we have with Christ, we are probably, I would argue, even more with God because we have full access to God living inside of us than ever before. God is with us inside and dwells among us through his Holy Spirit. And so because that is true and the Holy Spirit is with us, Holy Spirit also wants us to choose to be with God in our entire life, have access to every decision we make. This Christmas season, as we grieve, God wants us to grieve with God. Where do we see proof of that? Romans chapter 8. One of my favorite roles of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us and with us in our suffering. 
through groans too deep for words. As we're anxious, what does Paul say then? Paul says for us to be anxious about nothing. In his letter to the Philippians, to which all Christ followers say, thanks, Paul. I'll just be anxious about nothing. But what does he tell us to do? No, through prayer and through worship and through gratitude, do not worry. In every situation, Paul says, through prayer and through worship and gratitude, that's the anecdote for not being anxious. I've seen studies that are so cool that our brain psychologically and, and, and physically cannot handle gratitude and anxiety at the same time. It's such a cool study that, that we have done, that scholars have done, that your brain physically cannot handle anxiety and gratitude. And so what does Paul say? When you are anxious, the anecdote is gratitude. Flipping your mindset from things you fear to things you're thankful for is how we combat anxiety. And so this withness, even within our struggling, within our suffering, God still gives us the anecdote, and he wants entire access to our life. I was talking to our executive pastor, Michael, this week, and we were just brainstorming, and I was just picking his, his, uh, his, his brain and his mindset on what does it mean like, to be with God, and what does that look like for God to have full access into our life? And, and he came up with some incredible things. He said this, God isn't a vending machine. I know sometimes we live like that where we put our dollar in, it's bent, we got to take it out, we got to, you know, crease it again and put it on, and then we kick the machine and we, you know, reach through to get the bag of Skittles when the M&Ms fell. And God isn't just the vending machine where we go up and whenever we need something, we pay for it and we receive it. But so many of us live that way, where we don't go to access the Father Lean on the Holy Spirit until it's life or death. Some of us are great suffering Christians. Where when we are suffering, that's when we go to God. And we treat Christ as this vending machine. Another thing, God, uh, and, and, as, and, uh, and I want you to be thinking about this, this concept, okay? Because as we talk about God being with us, and parents, this, this might hit a nerve, and so I really want you to think about the heart behind this. God also isn't a helicopter parent. Okay, God's not a dictator parent. God allows us to experience pain and suffering and to stumble. Okay, God isn't bubble wrapping his children. He's allowing them to experience life with the hopes that we would give him full access and reign. And then Michael said this that I thought was so, so powerful I had to share. God also wants to be a part of the mundane in our life. God doesn't just want access to the exciting things. God also wants to be sitting with you when you're at the BMV. And Lord knows some of us needs his help when we're at the BMV. God wants to be with us in the drive through God wants full access. He wants access when we got a new job or a new raise or we find out that we're pregnant or God is with us when we find out that we're miscarried. God wants to sit with us in our suffering and God also wants to sit with us when we're at the movie theater. 
God wants us to uh, invite him into our dating relationships and in our singleness. God wants to be with us in our marriage and wants to be with us when we are widowed. Like, like this is the God. This is what God wants. He doesn't favor one area over another. Okay? God delights in our worship. Delights in our worship. That's what Scripture tells us. And so whether we are worshiping God in the BMV or a worshiping God in the church, God wants us to be invited into every decision we make. So often, especially when, when walking with teenagers, okay, teens up front, I really want you to pay attention to this. This one's for you. We got a youth group now sitting up front, okay? Represent, okay? Amen, okay? Sometimes there's not a 100% right decision, okay? Sometimes you can't make a wrong decision, all right? I, a lot of times we stress about which college to go to. Which person am I? I'm supposed to find the one. I'm supposed to date the one. I'm supposed to be with the one. Ooh, which job does God want me? I, I got to pursue this profession. I got to choose this career or else I'm not honoring God. Okay, God is more concerned with their hearts, okay? And I'm not just speaking to the team, I'm speaking to everyone because sometimes when we get 30 years down into our career and we're like, ah, yeah, I don't know if this is where God wants me, okay? God is more concerned with our worship and our hearts and our decision-making. Okay, I tell students this all the time, especially young adults. Which college does God want me to go to? Okay, there's really not a right, right choice. Okay, sometimes, actually most times, God just wants us to honor him with our decision. Same thing with our dating. If you've fallen into the trap that you've got the one, it's a really dangerous place to be. Okay, God just wants us to invite him into our relationship making that relationship the one. God wants full access into our life so that every decision we make, we honor God with that decision. We honor God with our bodies and our relationships. We honor God with our finances and our giving and in our saving and in our spending. We honor God in our decision making. God wants full access into your life. And then, and then the last part of this idea God wants to sit with you in your boredom and in the quietness and in the chaos, especially for families with kids. God wants to be in there with you, saying, God, I might not have full-on time alone with you in this moment, but I could really use another babysitter here. <laughs> Give me your peace. Give me your peace. Give me your peace. Here's how I want to end today. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. Another prophecy from the prophet Isaiah. We read the, the Matthew translation of the uh, Emmanuel passage. Matthew quoted Isaiah. And then here, here's one of the most power, powerful and popular verses. Isaiah 41, 10. This is what Isaiah says. So do not fear. He's quoting God. God is giving in this prophecy to the Israelites. For I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. In your decision-making, pray with God. In your fears and anxieties, invite God in with a heart of gratitude. In your dating, date with God. 
in your relationship after 20 years, invite God in. And your giving, your saving, your spending, your tithes, give with God. Spend with God. Save with God. Don't just be an impulsive Christ follower. Be with God this Christmas season. And we have so many cool opportunities here at Crossbridge this month to be able to do that. Um, we're gonna, Brad's going to talk a little bit about it toward the end. But for those who have been at Crossbridge the last couple of years, you know that we partner with Fort Wayne Community School families who aren't able to afford Christmas for their kids. And we provide Christmas for those families. And I think Barb was telling me we had over like 100 angels at the beginning of this process, and now we're down to like 23, 26 left. And so if you haven't grabbed an angel in the back, um, they're on the board. They have the kid's name on the back, kind of something they're asking for. Be a part of that missions project this year to help provide Christmas. Go out, buy what they've asked for. Keep that card, that angel and then bring it back unwrapped with the angel next week with your name on it. So that we can just help this withness and bringing this life. In. And it's so cool when we get to be the church. Because that's the last point I want to make. Is that uh, this life isn't about you. Not just this season, just this life. I posted on our Crossbridge page yesterday, this last point, And I really want you to think about this when we're talking about withness that you are loved this Christmas season, but so are they. The person who's hurt you, the enemy, etc. God wants to be with us as much as God wants to be with them. So, invite God in, give God full access over your life, and watch Emmanuel work. Will you pray with me? Hey God, thank you so much for the space. God, how radical it is that you choose to be with us. You choose to be with us, but you don't dictate whether or not we're with you. You give us that freedom to choose. And so God, this season and this year, we are choosing you. We are giving you access to be with us in our hearts, in our decisions, in our minds, in our dating, in our singleness, in our grief, in our loss and asking you to move. In your name we pray, amen.